0: to episode 38, chapter 3 of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast, I'm Josh Havens. And I'm Chris Lamberth,
1: and we're on a journey to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of discipleship. We're glad you're joining us and hope that as you set aside this time for God, that he would help you grow today
0: in the everyday moments of life. And today we're continuing our conversation with Sid and Jeff Holsglaw about their book, Does God Really Like Me? Sid and Jeff are both pastors at Vineyard North in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Sid is also a ministry and life coach and a spiritual director. And Jeff is an affiliate pastor of theology at Northern Seminary and is the co-author of Prodigal Christianity. They've been married for 20 years and have two teenage boys. Do you feel secure in your identity in Christ?
1: We all want to feel the warmth of the Father's love for us and buy into the idea that God really does love us. But it always seems like there is something in the way. We have a hard time believing that we are worthy of love. We fear that if others really knew us, that they wouldn't accept us. Our shame of who we are keeps us from truly believing what God has said about us, that we are his beloved sons and daughters. Shame keeps us from the Father, and so we must deal with it. That's why in this chapter, Jeff and Sid explain how shame is actually the problem behind sin what you guys talk about early in the book is this idea that actually shame comes first in the order of sin. And so sort of this idea that, um, because we don't feel like we are enough and you're right, that usually begins with us and, and, and the enemy, right. You know, lying to us. Um, we then are then motivated to go out and do to try to earn back our right, our identity or, you know, our privileges to be, um, his children. So what what would you guys, we've already hit, hinted at some of these things, but how would you counsel somebody or encourage somebody if a person feels ashamed of who they are, how can they begin this process to embrace their true identity in Christ?
2: Yeah, well, it's not easy, yeah. right? Let's just acknowledge that first and foremost. And so I just want to say like anybody who's listening to this and when you hear, you know, hear us talk about this, it's because we've done a lot of, work and a lot of practice. So when we say it, it sounds simpler than it probably feels, but it's also that it it's totally possible. And I would say, so beginning out of a place of shame, the first thing that I think we can do is recognize that if you go back to the garden with Adam and Eve, who found who, mm-hmm. right? So Adam and Eve are totally ashamed. They're hiding themselves. They're naked. And so I feel like there's like this left-brained part of us, this intellectual part of us that has to convince ourselves that even though we feel like we want to hide from God and there's no way we could belong in his presence, if God went looking for Adam and Eve, God will come looking for me. And so it's like we have to talk ourselves into that. And so you may not feel anything other than shame, but that's I think part of what we're trying to do is give people strong, like in, like strong understanding of Scripture so that when your emotions fail you, you've still got this solid understanding that God is the God who pursues. No matter what circumstance, no matter what situation, God pursued Adam and Eve, he pursued Hagar in the wilderness, he pursues Israel, even when they turn against him over and over and over again, he pursues the the outcasts and the sinners and the unwanted, he just pursues. Mm -hmm. And so no matter where we go, we cannot possibly separate ourselves from God. Yeah. And so, one of the things I like to think about, and um, I think Kurt Thompson brings this up in his book, The Soul of Shame, which is where we kind of did some of that shame sin work together, uh, is that imagine what the story would sound like if, when Satan questioned Eve, she had said, You know, I'm not, I don't really remember exactly what God said. Let me go ask him.
3: <laughs>
2: right? <Yeah. laughs> if she had done that, it would have been a totally different story.
3: Right. Because the serpents whole purpose was to drive distance between her relationship with, with God. And if she had just in that moment been like, well, timeout, you're kind of new. I don't really know what's happening here. I'm going to go back. But, and we talk about this in the chapter in the falls is, uh, is at first, you know, she had this sense of doubt, you know, like, and this is what's, this is how sin really works. I think is it doesn't start with like straight out, like um, there's the line, go jump over it. It's more of just a question like, oh, is that the line? Mm -hmm. Are you sure? Maybe the line was the other line, the further one, right? So it starts with the question, did God really say, you know, and that that creates doubt. Um, And then and then when you have doubt, then you enter into a state of distress. Then you're like, oh, no, wait, is something wrong? Did I blow it? I can't remember. It's kind of like, well, there's kind of like a zillion things, right, where we get distressed. And from that distress, the doubt and distress, then you then through the questions that the serpent is inserting there, he really creates deficiency, which is, um, you know, no, you won't, you won't, um, you won't die. Rather, you'll become like God. And that statement, you'll become like God, it has the negative statement, which is you're not anything like God right now. There must be something wrong with you. You're not enough. Uh, And so shame actually creeps in. And I think a lot of times we feel like, oh, I feel ashamed because I sinned. Certainly that's true. But a lot of times, We sin because we're ashamed. We have this doubt and this distress and this creeping feel of deficiency. And now I have to make up for it. So what do I do? Well, maybe I'll make up a white lie. Maybe I'll go take something that's not mine. Maybe I'll just lose my lid and start yelling at people. Right. We all deal Mm -hmm. with our shame in different ways. Um, But but really, it's that lack of connection. And, And the trouble with shame is, is it drives us away from relationships. But the true, the only true solution or antidote to shame is more relationships, right? Only when you press back with people and people are like, oh, you're good. It's fine. You're like, why was I so worried about that? Or you press back into relationship and people are like, oh, I forgive you. Like, oh, why was I so worried about that?
2: Or you go back to people and people say, yeah, you really did hurt me. And I don't I don't know if we can do this. But at least you've done the work you needed to do and you've, you've had the humility to say, I own it. I like I did this. So I'd say another part of that dealing with with the, the shame and can I possibly come back to God is also just the, the the grace for ourselves in that God knows how we got to where we got. And there, so I'm not going to go on about the story of Hagar because it's one of my favorite stories. But the way that God meets her, he understands exactly why she's out in the wilderness having run away. Mm-hmm. He gets it and he doesn't beat her up. And I mean, he has no reason to even talk to her. She's not even part of his promise line. But he meets her. He sees her, he hears her. He understands her. He still comes down and meets with her, and he sends her back because he's saying, "You belong, and you're going to be a blessing." And so there's that sense of like, God always sees with with love and with affection and with compassion. Mm-hmm. And he always understands why we felt like we needed to manage ourselves and get into that place of sin because he knows what he knows what got us there.
3: I know growing up um, and maybe just about the majority of your listeners, you know, you were told, you know, uh, careful what you do because God always sees. Mm. And it was always the sense that God seeing you is this fearful, judgmental thing that you better not sin because you're not going to get away with it. Uh, And I really think that does a lot of really bad spiritual work in us because really the fact that God sees and knows everything about us should actually be a source of comfort because it goes along with the fact that God sees, knows everything about you, even your faults and your feelings, and he still loves you. Mm -hmm. Like that should actually be the most comforting Mm -hmm. thing. Like I don't have to hide. I can't hide and I still told over and over in Scripture that God loves me and is seeking a relationship with me. So that should actually build us comfort. How many of us have been spiritually kind of warped because of those messages when we should be told different things? God sees, which means he knows and understands what you're going through, and he's more than willing to help out if you will just ask him.
0: I think for me a part of that goes back to this idea that we're somehow deficient. Um, I think it's hard for us to grasp that because it means in some way identify. Um, recognizing and, and admitting that we are in some way not enough in and of ourselves. And I like what you described as uh, uh, what you d- described about shame coming before sin. I've tried to use uh, the term control to define that the last couple of years. That's how, that's how I've been describing it. Each one of us is looking to, really rule our own existences, sit on the throne of our hearts, and we're looking for some kind of control. And when that's threatened, we act out of uh, a fear that we're losing control or a shame that we're losing control, and we do something that's sinful. And so I, I love the way you describe that. But for me, that, that really does come back to it, it's so hard to grasp that God still loves me, even though he knows my faults, uh Because that means admitting that I have faults (laughs) and it's Uh some kind of deficiency in me.
2: Yeah. But isn't it wonderful also to realize that you don't, you don't have to clean yourself up or make Mm -hmm. yourself more presentable, right?
0: Absolutely. It's like,
2: you're always welcome just as you are. Yeah. And that's, that's really good news. It's just such good news, it's hard to actually receive mm-hmm. it. <laughs> and it's
1: why I like that you guys are presenting this, I'm going to say the other side of the gospel, because lack of terms. But what we're really getting at here, and we've affirmed it over and over in this podcast already, that of course uh, we are sinful, we, we do sin, and God has made a way for us to be forgiven from those sins. But just presenting that side of the story says um, there's deficiency within us and because we haven't measured up and so we need to measure up in order to get back into God And really the whole story that you guys tell all the way from the garden, you know and then especially when we get into the you know Abraham and tabernacle I, I once I sort of came upon that idea of what the tabernacle was of is God's presence dwelling amongst his people and then again all the way into Jesus when we see that, he had to leave so that the spirit could come and dwell in us. When we, when we frame the gospel story in that way, that God wants to be with us. I think that that's where so much freedom lies, at least for me. Right. And so I love what you guys are talking about. And at least that, this idea of preaching this to ourselves each and every single day, like I struggle with it, you know, 100%. I don't have this thing mastered by, by any means. Um, but if I can
3: Neither do we. Like, <laughs> we wrote a book on this. Shouldn't we be better at like remembering that God is with us? Yeah. And and, and
1: actually I think of uh I love the story of Abraham. It's one of my favorite stories in, in all of the Bible. Um, but especially because I it's really hard to come up with another example of a guy who I don't know if you could try to screw up God's promises any more than what Abraham did, right? <laughs> And yet, God was still faithful to His promise and to His people, even though that whole thing really could have gotten bad. And and then there was obviously consequences uh, because of it. But God still is faithful to what He says that He's going to do. And so, if if we can get into this habit, I think of finding that joy place of telling ourselves that. Even while we were enemies with God, he died for us. He wants to be with us. That, that we can begin to affirm that there is worth in who we are because God created us and because he wants to dwell with us.
0: For me, I mean, if you need more convincing after this, uh, often like the last thing that somebody says is some of the most important things. Go look at Revelation 21 and 22, and you realize the final statement about the the state of existence mm-hmm is the new Jerusalem coming down and and the voice says God's presence is now with man. It's like the final yeah. statement on everything that's happened through the entire Bible. God's now with us. Yeah.
2: Absolutely. And we also see that in a in a you know in a smaller version in the book of Matthew, right? In the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew decides that the most important things that he yes. wants people to know yes. at the very beginning of the gospel is that his name shall be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. And at the end of Matthew's gospel, it's Jesus is saying to his disciples, I'm going to be with you always to the end of the
3: age. And the the other thing that I love about Matthew 28, the Great Commission, is uh, kind of what you were saying about, you know, Abraham, you know, was just trying so hard to screw up, you know, God's promises. But one of the most comforting verses in the Bible for me is uh, after the resurrection, just before the Great Commission, they're up on the mountain. Uh, This is Matthew uh, 28, 17. And then they saw him. And they worshiped him, but some doubted. <laughs> 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 <Yeah>. <laughs> right? And then you have the Great Commission, right? And then Jesus says, and Jesus came to them and said, but it's like, they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. I'm just like, you know, I used to be really hard. Like, dude, who was doubting? Like, oh my gosh. I'm like, dude, that's me every yeah. morning. Yeah. I do that every day. Yeah. Isn't it true? Isn't it true? Mm. But it's so reassuring. First to, to live by yeah. Matthew.
2: It's so reassuring 17. to see that some doubted, <laughs> and then Jesus still says, "All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, and so I send you." Yeah. Right.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's
0: great. That that is what I've never really thought about that. That's awesome. <laughs> this part of our conversation with Sid and Jeff demonstrates more than anything the importance of knowing our identity. The way that we view ourselves through the lens of our sinful nature always leads to a sense of shame, and we feel that lack, that sense of inferiority, and it's from that place of shame that we do sinful things. Our sinful nature is always looking for a way to make life better and become something more than we were created to be. This is when we lie, cheat, and steal to either make ourselves feel better or to hide some flaw we have. But as Sid and Jeff mentioned, this is what makes the gospel such good news. Jesus is God with us, and he shows us the true character of the Father. It's in Jesus we see that the reality of God's kingdom means God knows everything about us and yet still wants to be with us. He chose us while we were still wallowing in our sin and shame, and now he offers us a new identity as his children. It's in this place of feeling our Father's delight in us that we begin to embrace our identity and He transforms our shame.
1: How can you create a lifestyle of discipleship? Most Christians think discipleship is a program or a few practices thrown in at the beginning or end of the day. But we want to help you create a lifestyle of
0: Thanks for listening to this episode of the Daily Growth Discipleship Podcast. To find out more about Sid and Jeff's work, check out DoesGodReallyLikeMe.com. Then check out the next chapter in our conversation, where Sid and Jeff unpack the ways God wants to redeem your shame. If you want to stay up to date on everything happening at Daily Growth Discipleship, go to DailyGrowthDiscipleship.com and subscribe for free. You can also subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify.